announce it. I mentioned it last week. We've emailed, put it on Facebook, and in case you missed it somehow, D Squared is our new sermon series. We're going to talk to you over the next several weeks, Lord willing, six or seven weeks, about what it means to be a fully devoted follower of Christ, and as a church to make disciples who in turn make disciples. That's what we want to talk to you about. And this is based off of a book written by a guy named Phil McKinney. Phil McKinney, is a, he's a full-time minister in Fairfax, Virginia, but he's also an adjunct professor at Harding University, and he was one of my teachers when I was working on my master's, so I got connected with him. He wrote this book. We read it as a staff last year, and we've decided that we now is the time to do this sermon series. So before we get into this material, I want to read to you the text today, and then we'll kind of go back through it a few different times, Hebrews 5, 11 through 14. About this, we have much to say that is hard to explain, since you have become dull and understanding. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic elements of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food, for everyone who lives on milk, still being an infant, is unskilled in the word of righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, for those whose faculties have been trained by practice to distinguish good from evil." So this is kind of a challenging text. If you thought our scripture reading this morning from 1 Corinthians chapter 3 was kind of a downer, well, this one's really challenging. Now, I want you to just think about this for a minute. Let that soak in, and then we're going to come back to it here in just a minute. How many of you like fast food? Anybody a fast food fan? Okay. On the count of three, I want to try something a little different. I want you to just blurt out your favorite fast food restaurant. Well, try it. I'm going to see if I can hear any consistency here. So, Let's try this. One, two, three. Oh, I heard some Chick-fil-A's in there. Okay, so what else did you say? Chick-fil-A, what else? McDonald's. Okay, anything else? Okay, now, we're, now you're getting too excited, okay? Maybe you're going to get hungry. McDonald's, Whataburger, Chick-fil-A. For me growing up, it's Taco Bueno. Any Taco Bueno fans? All right, all right. You know, last week we got an applause because we took down the ropes. This week we get some excitement about fast food. We'll get an amen in the sermon at some point. But Taco Bueno, this was my place growing up. As a teenager, I liked Taco Bueno. You could get Mexi dips and chips. You get the mucho nachos. And back then, I don't know if they still offer this, for 89 cents you could get party burritos. I don't know if they still do that. But after a hard football practice or a, a good solid workout, there was no better way to replenish yourself than to go by the drive-thru at Taco Bueno and get some of those party burritos. Nowadays, as a family, just like some of you said, we like Chick-fil-A. You notice this picture? This is the Loop and Gilmer Road. Uh, We go to Chick-fil-A all the time, and even though that's a long line in that picture, uh, they get you through pretty quick. My kids love it, I love it, and I discovered in the last year that you can get a number one Chick-fil-A sandwich, fries, and a drink. But they let me, and I probably do this for other people too, so I'm not special, but they let me replace the drink, and instead of getting a soda, I can get a small strawberry shake. Anybody else figure that out? I mean, what a great meal. You get everything you need plus sweets. Personally, I love Juicy's Tacos. I never heard of it until we moved to Longview. And this is, it's not a family favorite, but it's become one of my personal favorite fast food places. Uh, You can get the taco party pack or whatever it's called, and I discovered you, for a pretty good price you can get 
12, I think it's 12 tacos, 12, so, I mean, six soft tacos, six crunchy tacos. Anybody getting hungry talking about all this stuff? Okay. Uh, I could eat off of this taco party pack for a week. In fact, there's been several days where I had leftovers from Juicy's Tacos where I had breakfast, lunch, and dinner were all microwave tacos from Juicy's. About a month ago, I had the worst stomach virus I've ever had in my life. Started on a Sunday evening, March 7th. The last meal I had was Juicy's Tacos for lunch, so I'm taking a long break from Juicy's Tacos. It's not their fault. I don't blame them, but I am taking a break. Why, as Americans, do we love fast food so much? We do. I, I'm a fast food lover, you can probably tell, but what is it about fast food that we like? It's, it's not very healthy for most part. We can try to justify some of it, but really it's not healthy. It's less than quality food. Why do we like it? Well, here's a few reasons why maybe we choose fast food. For one, it's a replacement of responsibility. We don't have to plan, prepare, or cook the food. We can just go to a place and have our meal within minutes. And if you're smart, when you're going through the drive through window, don't look what's going on behind that window and how they're preparing the food. Just get your food and leave. We like fast food because it's cheap. It doesn't cost us that much. It, you can go to Little Caesars. Here's another thing to make you hungry. And I can feed my family for $15 and still have leftovers. Fast food usually is cheap. There gives you, it gives you lots of choices, you know, if it depends on what place you go to. If you go to the right place, you could feed your family and get to choose what you want. Or if you go with a friend, everybody can choose something that suits their immediate needs. Or if you don't like one place, there's hundreds of options here in town, so you have lots of choices. Fast food, there's service with no strings attached, right? You can go to a fast food place, and you don't have to know anybody who's serving you the food. You don't have to know their names. You don't have to have a real relationship with them. And if you don't like the way they handled your order, if they messed it up, you can complain. In fact, you can kind of talk harsh to them because you don't really know them that well. Or you can complain to the manager. Anybody ever done that? Don't raise your hand. Just feel guilty to yourself. Okay. A few honest people who raise their hand. We like fast food because it's quick. It lives up to its name. Usually, if they're doing their jobs right, you're in and out of there fast, fast food. And then it's a drive through service. And if you're looking at the spelling right there and you're thinking, drive through, isn't it T-H-R-U? I looked this up, and that's just slang. That's not a proper way of typing it out. So I spelled it the right way up here, okay? drive through service. That's what we really like. It's fast, we, and, and we can just get in the car without getting all dressed up, and we don't have to fix our hair. We don't even have to put on shoes. We can just drive through without really having to come into contact with anybody, and then we're back home to eat our food. Okay, now you don't need a lesson about why we like fast food. You probably didn't need to hear all of that, but there's some background as to why we choose food that's not the healthiest for us, but we still go for it anyways, and for me, I go for it often. And this book that we're basing this sermon series off of, D Squared, written by Phil McKinney, one of the things that he points out is that something that most churches in America are, are we're guilty of is fast food Christianity. That's what he calls it, of having a fast food mentality towards our faith and towards church. So consider this. Look at all the reasons that make fast food appealing and then think about it when it comes to spiritual development. 
Replacement of responsibility. Well, if we don't want to take responsibility over our own faith development, we can come to church, somebody else can preach, somebody else can teach, we can drop our kids off. There's nothing wrong with that, but if that's where we stop, well, then we're treating it like a fast food approach. Let somebody else take care of it. It's cheap. Fast food faith, we don't have to put a lot of effort into it, and you don't even have to pay a lot of money if you don't want to. We have a box in the back you can drop your contribution off in. Fast food mentality gives you lots of choices. When you come to church, you have some things to choose between, but also we live in the Bible Belt. So we live in a town where you have hundreds of options, kind of like the fast food options, fast food restaurants. Fast food faith is service with no strings attached. It means you don't have to serve. That means you don't even have to build real relationships with people if you don't want to, and more importantly, you can complain all you want and you expect your complaints to be heard. Fast food faith, fast food, fast food Christianity is quick. You can come to church and you can get in and out of here pretty quick. You can expect maybe a quick sermon, right? Or maybe offer what you need, your immediate needs spiritually quickly, and then get out and go about your way. And fast food Christianity offers, I guess, a drive through service in a way. And we may not drive up here and grab our faith and move on, but we could approach it that way where, especially now, I think YouTube has, has been a blessing and a curse. I'm very thankful for YouTube, so don't hear me wrong, but it's made it even more convenient for some people who are like, you know what, I don't want to have to interact with anybody today. I don't want to wake up early. I'll just watch it on YouTube. Now, I'm not saying the people that are watching right now on YouTube are doing that, so don't hear me wrong, but I'm just saying we have so many conveniences, kind of like fast food in our country today, but it, it's not just like, oh, the pandemic hit and then all of a sudden we had this fast food mentality. No, I would say, I would argue that we've kind of had a, a consumeristic mindset towards church and towards our own faith development for years. I think the pandemic and what's gone on in the last year has just exposed that. This me-focused mentality, it's all about me, and if I don't get what I want, I'll let you know it or I'll go somewhere else. That attitude, that mindset towards the body of Christ, towards a group of people that you're connected with, I think that's been exposed. I think the fast food mentality, it's been there for a while, but for most ministers, most churches that I've connected with and I talk to, it's like, yeah, now we all can see it. There's no hiding it anymore. So instead of sweeping it under the rug and pretending like we don't have this mentality, let's deal with it and let's move to a deeper place. So that brings us back to Hebrews 5. What I already read, verse 11 through 14, I want to reread it verse by verse and just kind of see if the Hebrew writer maybe has a word for us today, this was written to the first century church who was being persecuted, but I think there's also a word for us today. In verse 11, it says, about this we have much to say, but it's hard to explain. Now, if you read all of Hebrews, you would see what the writer is talking about, uh, Jesus being one with God, the exact representation of God, but yet at the same time put on flesh and blood and became fully human, and he is our high priest making atonement for our sins. There's a lot of great stuff in Hebrews, but he's saying he, the writer takes a break and says, I have more to say about this, but it's hard to explain, and here's why. You have become dull in understanding. How does that feel? How would that feel if I wouldn't do this to you, but as a preacher, if I said, you know what, I have a lot I want to preach on, but you've become dull. Like, you stop learning. Earlier this week in our staff meeting, 
Uh, we studied this text, and Aaron Partlow, Aaron, back over here, he pointed out, this is not passive-aggressive, this is just aggressive. This is not easy for us to hear with our modern, modern like sensitivity. You've become dull in understanding. And then the writer goes on to say in verse 12, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic elements of the oracles of God, the elementary truths. You need milk, not solid food. Let me point out to you, first of all, that in verse 11 and 12, he's not writing to new Christians. This is to people who have been in the faith for a long time. He's writing this to people who became a follower of Jesus many years before this, and he's saying, by this time, you should be teaching others, you should be leading. Instead, you're still focused on the basics. In verse 13, it says, For everyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is unskilled in the word of righteousness. So spiritual milk, there's a difference between spiritual milk and solid food. Well, let me also say this. If you are new to the faith, if you're exploring, if you're a seeker, if you don't know much, if you've just become a Christian, spiritual milk is okay. There's nothing wrong with that. We need to learn. We need to start somewhere. We need somebody to teach us how to become a Christian, what baptism is all about, how to study our Bible, what it means to be committed to a church. We need to learn those things. But for those who have been followers of Jesus for a while, at some point you got to move on to solid food. If you just live on a diet of milk forever, you're never really going to grow. So verse 14, but solid food is for the mature. For those whose faculties have been trained by practice to distinguish good from evil. So one of the things that we might ask ourselves is, are we malnourished? Kind of like what the writer is saying here, that we have plenty of people who are still living on milk and you're not really going to grow. But that doesn't mean that churches, preachers, teachers, whoever have not offered solid food. It could be that some people refuse to eat. I remember when my son and my daughter, when we first tried to offer them solid food, they rejected that at first before they got used to it. And sometimes we can offer solid food, people reject it, or sometimes we just prefer fast food. Like, we'll eat solid food, but we just want it to be fast. We want it to be quick. We want that kind of service that I talked about. There's a quote in this chapter, chapter 1 of the D-squared book, and it's what you see on the screen here is what we win them with is what we win them to. You ever heard this quote before? I can't, somebody shared this with me uh, many years ago in, when I was in youth ministry. So let me give you a little background. From 2008 to 2015, I was a youth minister before I became preacher. So almost seven years of serving in youth ministry, and for the most part, when it came to devos, small groups, Bible classes, church camps, mission trips, whatever we were on, we would average about 15 to 30 teens at any event. Not bad, but I always felt bad about it because I always had somebody tell me, hey, Back in my day, you know, that's always a fun way to start a conversation. Back in my day, we used to have double the amount of kids. We used to have triple the amount of kids. I heard that all the time. Back in my day, we used to have to take two or three charter buses on our youth events. And you're just taking one bus. I kept hearing that over and over, and then finally one day I just kind of lost my filter, and I had a parent say that to me, and I just snapped back with, well, where are they now? If they had that many people coming back in your day, where are they now? 
And I didn't mean that to be rude, but my point was, those are the people that are now the ages of the youth group kids' parents. So if we made lifelong disciples out of them, then their kids should also be coming. And we had a nice little pleasant conversation. It was okay, but what it made me think about in light of this quote, what we win them with is what we win them to, is to span back over. And I'm just using youth ministry as an example. I'll talk about how we approach church like this as well. But if our approach is to just have big, fun, amazing, thrilling, entertaining activities to get people to come to, well, we might get them in the doors, and okay, that's great. It gives us an opportunity to reach them in deeper ways. But a lot of people, when they turn 18, aged out and stopped coming when they stopped having things offered to them constantly. So what did we win them to? And most churches, and so I'm not picking on youth groups here, have taken what's called the attractional church model, which is to do what I just explained. Do, offer something to get people here and then be satisfied with a big crowd. And there's nothing wrong with having a big crowd. Big crowds are fun. You know, we're a little bit down today compared to Easter last Sunday. And with all the excitement of the huge crowd, it's like I knew in my mind, just wait till next week. It'll be down a little bit. Because it comes in waves. It goes up and down. And How do we view success as a church? Now, I along with many people, we look at numbers, how many people were here. I do that every Sunday. I look at the attendance for both first and second service, and I look at how many views we have on YouTube. There's nothing wrong with that. In fact, that's a good way to gauge it. If For people who complain against number counters, read the book of Acts, see what Luke does. Luke records numbers all the time. There's nothing wrong with viewing numbers but if that's the only way that we view success as a church, as a faith community, then we're stopping short. Because I think one of the things that hopefully we can call ourselves to during this sermon series, and I think Jesus was constantly calling people towards because he was surrounded by large crowds, was a deeper way, a better way of viewing success is are people being formed, conformed, and transformed into the image of Christ? Are we making disciples who in turn make disciples? That's hard to measure, but when we look at what we're doing as a church and as individuals, as a family, that's really what we should be looking at to see whether or not we're being obedient to what Christ has called us to. Are we winning people? What are we winning them to? Are we winning them to the attractional church model? Are we winning them to fast food mentality? Are we winning people to the, a relationship with the living Christ? So if you think about this fast food faith, and obviously we don't want to have that, so what would it look like to counter that? What would it look like to reject fast food mentality and to have true discipleship? Well, if fast food mentality is about replacement of responsibility, then being a true disciple reminds us, no, we do have a responsibility. Look again at Hebrews 5. In verse 12, he says, by this time you ought to be teachers. What the writer is pointing out is that at some point you need to grow to where you're blessing other people and you're offering a service and you're teaching other people. There's a responsibility to grow. There's a responsibility to know your spiritual gifts and offer those 
to the kingdom of God, to the church that you're a part of, there's a responsibility that we have to take ownership over the mission. So it's not a replacement of responsibility like a fast food restaurant. No, we have to take responsibility. Instead of it being cheap, it's costly. Go back and read Luke 14, 25 through 33. Jesus talks about what it means to follow him. And three different times in that section, he says, unless you do this, you cannot be my disciple. And he's speaking that to the crowd. The subtitle you might see in your Bible is Count the Cost of Following Jesus. Instead of having multiple choices, true discipleship, you only get one choice, and that's Jesus Christ. And Jesus says your only choice is to be involved. You don't have a choice to not be involved. Your choice is to love people, to be a part of the body of Christ, to offer a service, and to work through difficult relationships And to not be thinking about what's in it for me, but what can I offer? Fast food mentality is service with no strings attached. You know, you can just drive through, you don't have to know anybody, and then you can go complain. But true discipleship is service with strings attached. That means we are required to be involved in each other's lives, to rejoice together, to mourn together, to help each other, to call each other out when we need to, to work through difficult relationships, and to serve. Everybody's called us. Doug talked this morning, Mark 10, verse 45. Jesus said, The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, to offer his life as a ransom for many. Just like we see in our teacher, Jesus, we are all called to serve. And then, if fast food, Christianity offers something that's quick, well, true discipleship can be slow and painful at times. True discipleship requires commitment for the long haul and growing to become more like Jesus and dying to our own selves can be slow and painful. It's not an easy process. And I think many of you might have experienced that, but sometimes our growth gets stunted and we don't want more of that because it can be painful, so we'd rather just stay on that spiritual milk rather than to move on to solid food. And when you offer a service, when you take part in a mission, when, you, when you're a part of what the church is doing, you may not always get rewarded for it. And like Paul talks about, if you went on to read the rest of 1 Corinthians chapter 3, some people plant, some people water, but it's God who gives the growth. That we're, some people lay a foundation, use a building metaphor. Some come and lay another layer, another layer, and generation after generation, and we may not see the completed project but we're taking part of something that's much bigger than ourselves. So true discipleship is not like fast food where it's quick and easy. It can be slow and painful. And rather than being just kind of a drive-through where you can just get your stuff and go, true discipleship requires commitment. It's what Jesus calls people to in Luke 9, where he says, if anybody wants to come after me, they must deny themselves, pick up their cross daily, and come follow me. So I guess step one, maybe we could call it, in light of this sermon and our welcome to our sermon series, D-Squared, is to reject or to counter this fast food mentality that we've had towards church and towards our faith. Repent of that. And I do believe that in the last year, going through this pandemic, that's kind of been exposed, okay, in myself and in other people. And I want to reject that, repent of that, and change and move into the areas even if it's uncomfortable, that Jesus is calling me into. 
So what I want to challenge you to do is just maybe write it down if you haven't already. You have your little bulletin insert. You could write this down. But just think to yourself this week, am I a fast food Christian or am I a fully devoted follower of Jesus? But think to yourself that question this week without thinking about, oh, those people, they do that. I know the people he's talking about with that fast food mentality. Instead of thinking about everybody else and where they're wrong, just do some self-reflection. Examine your own heart. Spend some time in prayer. And if you notice, maybe I do have more of a fast food mentality. Well, then it shows you the areas that you need to grow in and ask God to help transform you. We want to be a church that helps everyone grow and continue to grow and to desire solid food for the mature so that you can be fully devoted followers of Jesus as well. And this morning, we're going to sing another song, and I know you kind of, this is your cue to start getting your stuff together, but I want to just let you know, and especially if you're visiting with us today, that we really do offer this time when we sing an invitation song that if you need prayers or if you need to talk with an elder privately, or if you're ready to put on Christ in baptism, man, we would love to have that conversation with you. This isn't just a, a cue to get you to stand up. This is a time to remind you that if you really have something on your heart and you need to respond, please come talk to me or one of our elders right now. So I do want to invite you to stand. Invite Tony back up here to lead us in song. To the river.